Greetings from Soundography, Crash Course of Music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am Hammond Chamberlain. And today we're talking with uh, a friend of the show and Patreon supporter, Kurzog, a.k.a. Ryan. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hello. Great to have you here, and, and thank you so much for your support of the show and for your patience, because... Yeah, so you had come to us at uh, TMS Vegas, and uh, I think you gave us a choice. Do you remember what the what the choice the two two bands to choose from were? No, it wasn't a choice. Uh, I, I no, it, it was a demand. He he came it to was me. A demand, the, right. He came to me at the arcade and said, "I want to do Bell and Sebastian. How do I do it?" <laughs> cool. Well, um, man, uh, I'm so glad you did, Chris. Like this is a, this has been a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we're gonna have a whole a whole podcast after we're done talking to you to uh, hear what we what we say about uh, Bell and Sebastian. But what made you pick uh, them for us to do? What made you connect them with Soundography? Well, let's see. They're a band I've, I guess, listened to since high school and I've uh, come back to several times. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've been a band I like, but I didn't really dive deeper for a while. And then yeah. I was going to see them in, in concert. And uh, that's when I, like, maybe like 10 years ago, really, really started listening to them. And then even dropped off again and came back recently after they've released these last two albums and they just keep getting better and better. That's cool. It's cool how a band can do that. Yeah, this is a band. So I'm glad you suggested this one because this is a band that I'd heard of, of course. I've probably got a couple of covers in my library. But other than that, largely unfamiliar with with who they are. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until this week that I realized that they were Scottish because you don't hear it in their vocals right away. They have a very, I don't know, a very... It's clean, accent-free. Yeah, yeah. But then when you know, you know. When you know, you know. When you know, you start hearing, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm surprised I didn't uh, notice it before. Uh, I made the joke to him, and when I first started listening to it, I was about an album, maybe an album and a half in, and I said, I've been listening to, I'm on my, like, 15th Bell and Sebastian song, and I feel like I'm living in a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> and to my knowledge... I don't know if Wes Anderson has ever even, ever even used them for a soundtrack, but it sure feels like he has. Like a, it feels like um, uh, Royal Tenenbaums or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it fits just perfectly with that. Do you have a favorite uh, a favorite album of theirs? Yeah, it is Dear Catastrophe Waitress, uh, mostly mm. for for the song uh, "Asleep on a Sunbeam." I don't know why, but that just always puts me in such a good mood. That's cool. Yeah, I I love. I think it's that album. The first track is Step Into My Office, Baby, or is that... Uh, that is correct. Those first yes. two songs are so different, though. It's weird. They really are. Yeah, totally. It's like one is, uh, I don't know, like 70s upbeat folk, and then the other one is more like a 60s uh, instrumental, or, or was is that? The, I think that's the one that's got an instrumental near the beginning. Uh, yeah. It's just so cool. So so different even their newer albums there's quite a, a lot of difference between each of the tracks as we as we go through them yet they stick to their distinct sound at the same time they do yeah and this was actually the album if we're talking about dear catastrophe waitress this is the album that was produced by uh trevor horn who's come up a few times on soundography producer and member of the buggles and the 90215 or 90125 album by yes Art of Noise, yeah, he came up a lot. Of course, is one of the founding members of the Art of Noise. ABC, right? Frankie goes to Hollywood. The guy has been involved with so much music, and and this is probably his most analog production effort ever, compared to all those other very electronic-y sounding uh, bands and new wave bands. I think I was I gravitated gravitated towards uh, 
catastrophe waitress as well and and kind of write about love and and the newer stuff since then. I think their two newest albums might be their best work, but I don't have that nostalgic connection to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely something to that, right? Where um, as you grow up with a band or as you keep listening to a band, their their sound evolves, but you kind of still hang on to that. The, the, the first things you listen to by them that really hooked you into them. Squeeze is like that for me. They've gotten better and better over the years, but for whatever reason, that Argy Bargy album, I'll always connect with. And so you've seen them in concert. How are they? Uh, how are they live? Oh yeah, they're amazing. They're are they really? <laughs> I go to so many concerts and they're right there at the top. Uh, that's cool. Their sound translates well then to uh, concert. And um, they're they're kind of affable personality. They're just you know they're not too over the top. They're really relatable but funny and yeah. Like I mean, watching some of the YouTube videos where it's like a like a live uh, radio show or something. You know, good good production. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- really kind of, you, you see their personalities and stuff, which I like. That's cool. How did you, so you listen, you've been listening to them since high school. How did you first discover them? Because it seems like an, an interesting band to discover in high school compared to um, what it seems like people usually connect with. You know, I got an interesting story. So yeah. I'm about, what, a, a decade younger than you guys. So uh, Hey, hey, sure. now. Late, late night. <laughs> Late 90s, uh, we had this thing called America Online. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that I, I, used, I used to get an install CD from them every month. <laughs> and, and I still use two of them as coasters. That was our social media. You could hack the profiles, uh, kind of kind of like uh, MySpace with uh, some HTML code. And, you know, uh, us youth would uh, use that to put our favorite emo lyrics and stuff. Uh, <laughs> In, in obnoxious colors and, and stuff. Of course. Yeah. So one girl I talked to, and she will remain nameless simply because I don't remember who she was. <laughs> but <laughs> she, she would have Bell and Sebastian lyrics and Elliot Smith lyrics all the time. And mm. I was uh, strolling my local independent record store and uh, came across both those names and bought uh, XO by Elliot Smith and, and Tiger Milk. And I absolutely loved EXO by Elliot Smith. That was yeah. my favorite, favorite album for such a long time. And I just kind of got into him a lot more. And, you know, I didn't quite do that with Bone Sebastian. And then, uh, you know, this is right before Napster hit. So I, I didn't really get a, a chance to uh, deep dive like I would have otherwise uh, without spending a lot of money. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that was a good way. You know, I mean, people people and by people, I mean Lars Ulrich, but people bash on Napster all the time. (laughs) And um, I think without Napster and the music industry realizing that people want to hear more than just the one or two songs on the radio before they, in in, in the early days, buy an album. In the early days of streaming, it was a way of like hearing the album before you buy it. These days, it's like, why buy it when I can listen to it on my streaming service anytime I want? Unfortunately, they figured out a way to make a... um, uh, a way to monetize that for the bands to help support them and and in uh, the whole thing, but yeah, I wonder if if it weren't for things like Napster, if we would have ended up with streaming the way it is today. It's a it's an answer. It's a question that we probably will never ever see an answer. Well, it'd be good for a good. I mean, if we had other people, like if we had wanted to have a, a show dedicated to that conversation, I think we could walk into that uh, hypothetical territory. That's true. It'd be a good roundtable. Yeah, a little roundtable discussion. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Yeah, that's a good thought. But then it was, so that's a, that was a great way to discover Bell and Sebastian is kind of go through Napster, find some of their, their music, listen to it, and then, and then realize uh, uh, you were a fan. It does seem like a natural progression from Elliot Smith and that acoustic indie singer songwriter style. Have they led you to other bands? Like, have they been kind of the, the tree trunk that have taken you down some other musical branches? No, man, to me, that, like, Sublime did that so much when I was like 15. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Bell and Sebastian, I mean, they do a lot of collaborations. A lot of it's like local Scottish stuff. Like even their yeah. latest thing on Spotify, they're just the backup band. One of the guest singers like was his oh. ex-girlfriend. So, Oh, really? <laughs> there, there, there's some paths where I thought about, oh, I could listen to that. I've listened to a few of the Isabel Campbell. She's the first female singer that split off mm-hmm. after four albums. Mm-hmm. She's she's got a lot of solo stuff that I've dabbled in, but not really. Yeah, I I knew her as the Gentle Waves. Actually, I think I've played a couple of covers on Coverville of her as the the Gentle Waves. Again, thing I didn't know I didn't know there was any connection until this week, which is uh, which is cool. Fantastic. Well, this is this has been a fun week for us, and and one that I've really been excited to to get to as. Always knowing the name, Bell and Sebastian, and always hearing just, you know, the covers I have in my library because of Coverville, but not really hearing anything beyond that. Hammond, um, how about you? Is this, this was, you ended this completely fresh, right? Yeah, this this was a, a brand new walk into the woods with me. And I'd he- I had heard the name, but again, it was just in passing and it was not anything I actively sought out. So I actually appreciate, I appreciate you giving us to, this to us. Did you know the songs from the movie Juno? Uh, I've only seen Juno once. Same here. And, and no. I, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I I'll say no too. Wait, it they, wasn't, st- it didn't stick with me either. So that's, here's a dumb question. The, the song that uh, Michael Sarah sings to Elliot Page, is that, that little sweet friendship song, was that written by the Bell and Sebastian folks? No, that's the Moldy Peaches. Moldy Peaches. That's right. Okay. That one I did. I did know. Okay. But they provided other songs for the uh, for the soundtrack. Yeah, Piazza, New York Catcher, and uh, I think Expectations. Off of that okay. Track. Funny that that one came up because that one is one that I put. Uh, spoiler alert! That's one that I put on my on my list. That uh, Piazza, New York. <sighs> now Catcher. we can't. Don't, now we don't. Can't even do the show because you spoiled it for everybody. Because I spoiled it. So yes, yeah. We'll just call it right here. It's over. <laughs> They're one big hit. <laughs> Oh, was it really? Oh, crap. So I picked <laughs> I picked their one, their greatest hit. Not just something from their greatest hits album, but their, their official greatest hit. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll leave it because I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. No one will have any idea. <laughs> Very cool. Well, um, Ryan, anything you want to add? Things that we should be listening for uh, or that the listeners should be listening for when they when they check out Bell and Sebastian is there... Would you say that they should start with Dear Catastrophe Waitress and then move forward or backward from there or start right from Tiger Milk and make their way forward? Definitely Tiger Milk. I think hearing that the start of that album. The Origins. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a good opening song. It is. Someone's going to say uh, the song Seymour Stein on, on The Boy with the Arab Strap. Uh, did you look into that song? Into the meaning of it? No, uh-uh. Okay. No, the the <laughs> only one that I really got caught up in was Meat and Potatoes. It's a really funny uh, set of lyrics. You but. know, two days ago, I did the same thing. Because of those compilation albums, like it's uh-huh. a bunch of like B-sides and stuff on that album. Right, right. Yeah, so I, those are were kind of last. So, like I actually discovered those couple albums just recently. 
Oh, um, cool. But yeah, Seymour Stein's about meeting a record and uh, you know executive and kind of balking at his offer to go mainstream. And oh, really? um, okay. the the reference in that uh, r- reminded me of Johnny is uh, actually Johnny Marr. <laughs> and, oh, funny. Yeah. Okay. Even mentioning uh, before he went electronic. Oh, hilarious. Okay. I'll have to listen, re-listen to that one. Seymour Stein from the uh, Boy With The Arab Strap album. Mm-hmm. I'm making a note of it to go recheck that one out. Love it. And, and then they're, they have a, like storytelling. Like it's interesting. It's a lot of instrumental, a lot of movie clips. It's a soundtrack. Yeah, that one took me by surprise because I was listening to that. Uh, it came up just naturally in the order. I know it's it's technically not one of their quote unquote studio albums, even though it's all studio recordings. I heard, I hear Paul Giamatti all of a sudden. And I'm like trying to figure out what what does this have to do with Bell and Sebastian? So that explains that. So storytelling is a collection of their their soundtrack work. Is that what it is? No, it's an um, actual movie. Oh, uh, the movie is called Storytelling. Oh, really? There's weird trivia there because like only seven minutes actually got used be some, because of some miscommunication. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Days of Bagnold Summer, which is actually pretty new, is also a soundtrack. And it's one of my least favorite also. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'd never heard of the movie Storytelling, which is probably why that, why that went right past me. Okay. It's got big actors. I don't remember who, but I looked it up. I, I was even trying to find it to you know, watch and didn't, didn't find it. Oh, really? Okay. Todd Salant's uh, uh, directed comedy drama. All right. Well, I might have to look for this one too. <laughs> at least for the for the record, at least I knew uh, Paul Giamatti was in it. I didn't recognize uh, Selma Blair or uh, <laughs> John Goodman or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm a, never really going to check it out. It looks pretty mainstream, but it also it, doesn't look that great. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that nobody's ever heard of it. Well, somebody's heard of it, obviously, but the three of us had never heard of it. Uh, definitely says something about that. We cover a wide little Venn diagram of uh, stuff, and for the, mm-hmm. none of us have heard of it. It's pretty. Neither of us. No. Have it's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Oh, another thing in in Write About Love, you probably noticed the Nora Jones cover that was on her album too. Yes, I did notice that. And doesn't she? She does guest vocals in a a song from. Is it uh, Girls in Peacetime or is it? Is the album before Someone that? Else. Someone else did. Well, Right About Love is the is the album before that. I, oh, I think okay. that's that's as far as I know. The only Nora Jones. Um, I don't really follow her much. And she does, and she does guest vocals on that album, on that track. Just or that is track. it just a cover? Okay, yeah. Then I did no, not a cover. They, I don't know who has credit for writing it, but uh, just a duet, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, because I I heard her voice, or uh, yeah, I think I heard her voice and thought, oh, well, all right, this is this is recognizable, and it's uh. And it's got Nora Jones. Oh, I didn't realize the title track has Carrie Mulligan, actress uh, Carrie Mulligan in there. Huh. Look at all this stuff. All this stuff we're learning just talking to you before we've even recorded the regular <laughs> full show. I love it. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure uh, Hammond's got a lot of stuff in the notes. Um, also, there's a cover yeah. that's kind of hard to find that you... I, it's the only cover that they really have, I'd say. It's a song by the Primitives. It's Crash. And it's, they do a cover of Crash? Get out. Yeah. Really? And, and it's on, okay, so I don't know what this is, but there's two compilations that they have. And on Spotify, they're listed as their albums, yeah. but they're not really their albums. They're, they're compilations, cover albums of like remix DJ stuff. It's called Late, I think Late Night Tales. Oh, yeah. Late Night Tales, right. It's a BBC, I think it's a, it was a BBC program or, or still is a BBC program that. Yes. 
so they did two of those and the, the, the only contributions they had on those were those two one cover the crash one and uh, i don't know what the other one was uh but yeah that's really the only like cover at least you can find on on spotify or anything that they do yeah the the ones i've got in my library i've got uh there uh, a couple live covers the beatles here comes the sun and then lizzie's the boys are back in town and then casasco marron which is originally by uh trio esperanza yeah, I think that's the other. Is that uh, the other one? Okay. Sales, yeah. What's funny is I've got that one, but I don't have Crash. <laughs> they come from. They both come from the same album. It looks like, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, Crash never ended up in my library. Uh, cool. I'll have to. I'm going to find that one because the original is a favorite song of mine. So, unfortunately, as a fellow Uber driver, and yeah. I play a lot of uh, of Bell and Sebastian, I don't like playing Crash. Oh, yeah. I wonder why. Probably <laughs> sends the wrong message to your passenger. <laughs> That's funny. There's <laughs> probably a great list, or probably a great playlist of songs you shouldn't play in your Uber. That, uh, I, I that still do. But I always wonder if they're thinking it in their head. <laughs> if they're listening to the lyrics, yeah. Do you, do you follow it with uh, Crash Into Me by uh, Dave Matthews Band? Or um... <laughs> I do. I want to protect my rating. There you go. <laughs> Nicely done. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, Ryan, this is fantastic. And anything you, you want to direct folks to uh, a Twitter account or or someplace where they can find out more about you, follow you, and and uh, see what other music uh, recommendations you can uh, you can give them. I mean, I don't produce much online, uh, but if I do, it's under my Warcraft under name. Herzog. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, man. And uh, thank you for your support of the show and for... Uh, and your patience. And, yes, and your patience. You know, it's basically been seven months since we talked about this in uh, in Vegas. So thank you so much for your, uh, your patience. No problem. It's been great. Thank you. Well, thank you. From Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am a girl reading a book, walking along, singing a song about reading books. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, that is so appropriate for who we're going to be talking about. And of course, you already know who we're going to be talking about because we ta- you heard us talking about them with Kurzog, our sponsor for this episode, right before uh, we started talking here. And he was a patient, patient man. He really was, and <laughs> and um, and I thank him for that, and uh, you'll, I'll thank him for something else later on in the episode. Before we get into talking about uh, Bell and Sebastian, though, Hammond, you've got uh, a correction to make from some emails that we got after a certain episode? Yes, I do. So as we record this, the 311 episode is the most recent episode that has been released. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, I had mistyped, misread, been distracted, whatever. <laughs> Who knows what was going on? But I, I mistyped and got the lineup of the band wrong. And oh, no. uh, okay. so they, I just wanted to say that I'm aware that we got the band wrong and I'm sorry we got the lineup wrong. It's the same people. I just mixed up where they were. Gotcha. Okay. The vocalist and guitarist is Nick Hexum. Hexum. Uh, Jim Watson was bass. Oh, I'm sorry. Lee, oh, wow. This is how I screwed it up. The commas are in the wrong spots. 
That's or, oh really? Not the wrong spots, but they they, they phrased it differently. Okay, so vocalist and guitarist <laughs> Nick Hexum, lead guitarist mm-hmm. Jim Watson, bassist was Peanut, and then drummer was Chad Sexton. And so okay. we had just, and then he was replaced. Uh, Watson replaced in 1990 by uh, Mahoney, and then Doug S. A. Martinez joined as a second vocalist and turntablist later. Turntablist, I like that. I've never, I mean, it makes total sense. I've just never heard that term before. But once you say it, it's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're, what you mean, what it is. That's your job title. So <laughs> I appreciate the emails and yes. the keeping us honest, but also remember that the title of the show actually is absolutely true in most cases. It's a crash course. And sometimes <laughs> when you're, when you're cramming for the exam, you make mistakes. Sure. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, wait, what, uh, what, <laughs> one bend at a time. Sure. That makes sense. Right. Okay. No, the crash course um, is the thing I rely on a lot course, to, yeah. to, to give me plausible deniability for my mistakes. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I imagine that teachers appreciate that too. When their students come up and they can say, ah, what'd you expect? It's a crash course. It's 101. <laughs> All right. Let's get into uh, Bell and Sebastian here. And one more time, we'll thank uh, Kurzog for his, his uh, support of the show and his patience in dealing with, well, with us. Bell and Sebastian were formed in 1994 by Stuart Murdoch and Stuart David in uh, Glasgow, Scotland. No, no, no Bells or Sebastians in that name. As a matter of fact, no, nobody could even qualify as a Bell, I don't think. No beauty, no beauty and beasts. That's right. Or beauty and the crab who likes the little mermaid. In 1996, they recorded demos with Alan Ranke, a music teacher who had performed with the associates. The music business class picked one of their singles to produce and release on their own label. Wow. I'm just going to throw this up front. This all sounds like music that was playing in the atmosphere while I was going through college. And honestly, because I had such a weird experience in college and failed a lot of classes multiple times, this uh-huh. I got a ton of anxiety this week. Oh, and God. <laughs> it caused me, on top of everything else I'm doing, it, it wasn't fun. Oh, geez. Really? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's... Uh... I, I really, really enjoyed this week. And I went from knowing like apparently two or three Bell and Sebastian songs to liking them a lot, listening, of course, to their whole catalog as we do, but also adding them into my rotation. These, uh, the, especially these last albums, great background music or great music while I'm driving in the lift, fun, kind of gives me a break if I'm, you know, picking a band. I usually do like In Excess or if for whatever reason, In Excess feels like, great music to play as a lift driver. Everybody, it seems like everybody likes In Excess. I don't know. I can't yeah. In Excess is one of those bands where really they, they didn't release anything too controversial. Right. And they lasted right. long enough that people still consider them, like they, they have a body of work. And then yeah. they kind of cross generations some because of that. So it's a very good pick. For sure. It is. The Cars is another one too that I that I rely on as, uh, as that kind of thing. Because they're, again, similar situation. Uh, universally universally if not loved then accepted (laughs) out of the excitement and how impressive the work was a full album was commissioned 
And that full album was 1996 Tiger Milk. This was originally limited to a thousand copies and it was later re-released just a couple of years later in 1999. The album is named after an instrumental that surprisingly didn't even make the album. The full band hadn't played together before going into the studio. However, after recording, it was official. They were a group. Nine of the songs were recorded in a three-day period. That's insane. Have you ever done into a recording studio time? I have, yeah, for the Andrew Allen Trio, and it blows my mind, a three-day period for yeah. uh, uh, for putting together an album from start to finish. Amazing. The album eventually ended up selling over 100,000 copies. Wow. The band lineup was rounded out by adding Steve Jackson on guitar and vocals, Isabel Campbell on cello and vocals, Chris Geddes on keys, and Richard Colburn on drums. Hey, well, just a second. Steve Jackson, yeah. isn't he known for making a lot of games, like Steve Jackson games, like Car Wars and that kind of stuff? Is that the same name? He, he is. Okay. Yeah, same same, uh, same name. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember if my, my MS-150 Steve, nope, that's Steve Clayton, who's also... Again, known as making guitar picks, but a totally different Steve <laughs> Clayton. <laughs> the name Belle and Sebastian was inspired by a French novel, Belle et Sebastian, about a boy and a dog. And while I was looking up uh, al uh, albums, especially a certain track that Kurzog told me about, I found a movie video release of that was based on that book. So you can go read the book, you can watch the movie, and you can listen to the music. Ooh, film sack it, I dare you. Oh, God, I don't think so. It does not feel like it would be something that uh, that would work for film sack. Who knows? French French art film about a boy and a dog. Can't wait. Dunaway would have a field day with it. You know he, yeah, would. he would. That would be the one. He'd, he'd be the one who loved it. Oh, I found something really good in this, Brian. Yeah. Also released that same year, 1996, If You're Feeling Sinister. This album is frequently listed as one of the best albums of the 90s. Murdoch said that this was probably his best collection of songs. And I can degrade a little bit, like from front to back. Yeah. yeah, this is good. It wasn't my, of my favorite albums, it was it was up there, but it wasn't my absolute favorite album. But I did, I did really like it. But, but as front to back as a full collection, I think it's probably the strongest. It's the one. Yeah, that you know what? Maybe. The label they signed with, Jeepster, agreed with their desire to stay creatively independent along with their request to not release singles, uh, to do no press, and to not appear in promo material. Great. Got a label uh, saying, yep, you, you won't actually go out and promote this album? Okay. All right. Great. So can you, <laughs> think, like can you think of one other person? Can you think of anybody else that's done that? I can. I don't want to see if you can. Oh, really? At least initially. Jeez. I mean, I could see somebody who's just like really, yeah, I mean, initially, until you've established yourself, I don't feel like you could get away with this. And they only had one album before this. Who's the person you're thinking of? Alan Parsons. They did not, oh, do, really? they did not do press until after Eye in the Sky. But they did. Uh, and even then it was sparse. Wasn't, weren't there singles released before Eye in the Sky? There were singles, there were singles, but they were not appearing in concert. They weren't. They didn't do any okay. kind of, yeah, none, none of that kind of stuff. I think, I think he did written interviews, but it wasn't anything like a, a media onslaught with a new album. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. By the way, is, um, is mentioning Alan Parsons every episode this season uh, count as a eye in the sky? For no, no, no. I'm kidding. You haven't mentioned him every every episode. This album was recorded in old church that Murdoch and Colburn had been li uh, living in. Uh, Sarah Martin joined the band around this time to be the other vocalist. Shame and cry your life away. 
There's a lot of parallels, by the way, that I was thinking while I was listening to this, because I, I was comparing them to the House Martins, but the House Martins evolved into the beautiful South. And there's a, a lot of parallels in the music style, the tongue-in-cheek humor, the dry wit, and the fact that they go through female vocalists like an elephant goes, goes through shelled peanuts. They, they, they do go through a lot of female band members. Yeah, they do. Yeah. If You're Feeling Sinister was released to high critical acclaim. And in 2007, Scott Flegenhoff, right? Sure. Flegenhoff wrote a book about this album for the three, 33 and a half series, which, by the way, if you have not read yeah. any of the 33 and a half books, you're missing out. They are great. I've got a, uh, a shelf on my wall that has maybe about a dozen of them that I've pieced together through used bookstores and, um, and online purchases. And... They're great. They really are. And, and that's kind of like the seeing your name in the New York Times crossword puzzle. You know you've made it as an artist when one of your <laughs> albums gets written about in the 33 and a half I mean, book series. I've got, I've probably got more than a dozen of them just on Kindle just because I, there's quick reads. And mm. I think the first one I bought was with the one about rain and blood by Slayer. And then I bought the oh, Beastie really? Boys one. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, that's how I roll. And, uh, yeah. I really, I fell in love with those books after that. I went looking for more. It's funny now that I've got the physical ones, I can't, I, I have to keep going with the physical <laughs> ones. I don't think I could switch and start doing the electrical, or I'm saying electrical, the electrical? electronic version. Yeah, the electrical versions. <laughs> Can you plug in my 33 and a third book, please? <laughs> there were a series of EPs released in 1997. Dog on Wheels contained four demos recorded before the band was formed. Lazy Line Painter Jane, uh, 369 Seconds of Light. Those made the NME single of the week and reached 32 on the charts, becoming the band's first top 40 single. I guess they did release singles? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, well, or EPs, do they count? I don't know. As, uh, that, that's a nuance. I mean, that's, a, that's a split uh, split hair that I had not thought about until just it, now. It really is. And <laughs> NME picking, you know, New Musical Express picking a single versus them picking a single. Uh, a yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a nuanced way of getting around it. it. For sure, yeah. The band kept a low profile and sometimes had friends pose for them instead for photos. This created an air of mystique for the band. Uh, 1998, they released The Boy with the Arab Strap. You heard uh, Ryan talking about that in the uh, the pre-show. This reached number 12 on the UK charts. Mick Cook, who had been contributing his trumpet to the albums, was asked to officially join the band. In 1998, another EP was released. This is just a modern rock song. In 1999, they won the Best Newcomer at the Brit Awards. That's a big deal. How could they be newcomers with, what, two albums, three albums under their belt? Three albums, but newcomer, you know, there is a <laughs> there is a cutoff line of like five years or something. Oh, okay. Think, All right. Yeah. 2000, they released Fold Your Hands, Child, You Walk Like a Peasant. By the way, their, their album titles always sound like people sitting around a table saying, no, I think we could fit two more words in there. Like, it's always like, you know, the garden path. And then somebody will say... They took their naming convention from the, the. 
No, it's even worse. Come on now. It's even worse than Dada. Like, all right. So you have, you have people sitting around a table saying, all right, uh, let's have an album called Garden Path. And then somebody says, oh, how about the goose walked down the garden path? And then somebody else says, the tale of the goose that walked down the garden path. <laughs> and then the last person says, the sordid tale of the goose that walked down the garden path. It's perfect. There's our album title. It, it kind of reminds me of people dumping one of those magnetic uh, poetry things that used to be on the refrigerators onto a table <laughs> and just randomly right. putting words together. I just said that maybe they did that too. Exactly. The ghost of somebody at his side. I will confess to you because I didn't think about the messages. I walked down the alleyway. Legal Man was released as a standalone single, there you go, and gained their first appearance on Top of the Pops. That same year, Lazy Line Painter Jane box set was released, uh, also the uh, Legal Man EP in 2000. Stuart David left the band to work on his solo project in writing, and uh, Bobby Kildea replaced him. Jonathan David and I'm Waking Up to Us were both released as singles. 2002, filled with tours. Forget everything we said, uh, Jeepster. We're we're releasing singles. We're going out on tour. I think they've realized that money could be made by doing singles and tours. And so I think so. Even the most independent and and, uh, authentic musician still wants to make money at the end. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 2002, they released Storytelling. This is the soundtrack to a film by Todd Salons of the same name. There were some communication issues during the production of the album, which led to only about six minutes of their music actually being used in the movie. It's crazy. Here's our soundtrack. By the way, we're only going to use six minutes of it. All right, see you later. Could you imagine if they'd done that to Queen and Flash Gordon? Yeah, or Queen and uh, Highlander. (laughs) Highlander might have been better. (laughs) <laughs> without with only six minutes of oh, uh, no, no, no. You know what? I, and, uh, we probably needed more queen to make that movie better i think so yeah queen Don't and john TV's williams travis couldn't that. make that movie good oh all right tv's travis send your emails <laughs> to him and chamberlain hey, actually and, uh, actually i hooked tv travis tv's travis up with the composer of the tv show soundtrack for an interview oh really yeah so you so now you're even yeah <laughs> <laughs> you both helped him and dissed him with his favorite movie <laughs> Yeah, some of the tracks are recorded dialogue on storytelling. And and that's when I finally realized, oh, this is a soundtrack. Because you heard me, and by surprise, like, what's Paul Giamatti doing on a (laughs) Bell and Sebastian album? Uh, Right after this, Campbell left the band to follow a solo career. 2003, Dear Catastrophe Waitress. This album was produced by Trevor Horn. He does talk about it in his uh, autobiography. And we Uh, we know him from Yes and Art of Noise and all the ABC and all the 80s. The Muggles. Yeah. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, all that stuff. He's been releasing releasing albums in the last couple of years, and all of them are really interesting takes on on his music and there's like a compilation of all the shows, the music he produced and there's his take on certain things again. I mean, he's done some really interesting things in the last few years. Yeah. And there's a new one coming out soon called echoes ancient and modern. And he's been releasing track by track, you know, singles from there so far, I think four tracks have been released, but it's like stepping out by Joe Jackson featuring seal 
which was not one that was originally produced by him. That was produced by Joe Jackson, I think. Love is a Battlefield, uh, Pat Benatar sung, covered with uh, Mark Almond, Personal Jesus with um, Iggy Pop. So the album officially comes out December 1st. So in uh, just a couple weeks from when we record this episode. And of course, I've got it on pre-order and I'm waiting for all the rest of the songs. But um, he does have a cover of uh, coming out. Haven't heard it yet because it hasn't been released yet. Owner of a Lonely Heart featuring vocals by Rick Astley. Really? Yep. Oh my gosh, that is going Owner to... of a Lonely Heart. <laughs> Owner of a Lonely Heart. Uh, so, <laughs> please, please, if when it gets released... Please play that at the end of TMS and dedicate it to me. I just need that okay. in my life. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. We'll do. Uh, <laughs> this album, by the way, sounded more produced than the previous albums. And, and I think because it was Trevor Horn that was doing it. I mean, Trevor Horn is a really, really smooth producer. And also they must have lightened up on their no singles rule because they released 22 of them over the course of their career. It was now that they worked to, to be more radio friendly and participate in the press. It's private and we'll sail around the world. I will be off at an end and you my way let go. Many nights of talking in no towns can you take? Many nights of limping round on pagan holidays. Oh, hello. Definitely can tell that, right? It definitely sounds at this point with Dear Catastrophe Waitress like they. Like they're ready to be played on indie indie rock radio. College radio has probably been playing the crap out of them. They're ready to go a little bit, not really mainstream, but a little bit more um, AOR and, Money. and AAA format. Around this time, they released a digital video disc. Are those I've, those could be uh, shortened to DVD <laughs> yeah. called Fans Only. It was a collection of videos and live footage. And what's weird is they invented it when they flipped it. It was flipped around later to prevent copyright infringements. But now it's a common phrase everyone uses today. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, I don't know if they use it today anymore. <laughs> I'm a cuckoo. Uh, cuckoo. I, you know, I've always wanted to say it's, it's cuckoo, like a cuckoo clock, but it's a cuckoo. Yes. It just, why do you pronounce, why, whoever came up with that word, why would you use two different vowel methods to get the same sound? Could, Either go C-U-C-K-U or C-O-O-C-K-O-O. I bet you it's just a flex of the English language. Some English, Maybe. some Latin dude or, you know, somebody trying to be clever with the English words. Like we can use it for the U and the O's. Let's uh, do that. Yes. Let's show. It's a Sesame Street word. You can show both ways. I'm a Cuckoo was one of the tracks for this. Tell me all about your day. Breaking off this misery, I see a wilderness for you and me, punctuated by philosophy. I'm wondering how things could have been. Uh, this really sounded like it was a hat tip to Thin Lizzy. Sure was, yeah. It's got a very boys are back in town. So yeah, for sure. 2004, The Books EP was released. It contained Wrapped Up in a Box and Your Cover's Blown. Your Cover's Blown would be a great name for a cover song podcast, by the way. Yes, it would be. Absolutely. Um, yes. It really would. Yeah. Or a cover album. That's probably better. Like, call your cover album, Your Cover's Blown. Yeah. Stop using Under the Covers and it, use it, that. It's Somebody, like, it's like my, uh, my joke about the, the Loverboy tribute band called Coverboy. 
<laughs> right. It's like that a lot. After a trip to Israel, they wrote the eighth station of the cross kebab house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a song titled by committee. Yep. <laughs> which appeared which appeared on a charity album called Help a Day in the Life. And I think we I really feel like they put words into a hat and just pulled out <laughs> I think so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 2005, Push Barman. You were going to say something about that thing. Oh, I that Hope a Day in the Life. I want to say we've talked about that before these guys, because other bands that we've talked about have contributed songs to that charity project as well. That's one that it's all um, or mostly covers. I think there are a few non covers, but just the fact that it's got two Beatles titles jammed together to make an album title. I always thought, I thought that was their Here Comes the Sun cover appeared on that too, but maybe not. 2005, Push Barman to Open Old Wounds. <laughs> I love that title because you, you can tell they got it from some graffiti that was uh, written around a sign. <laughs> uh, this is a compilation album made up of songs from the Jeepster days. If you're feeling sinister, live at the Barbican. By the way, another band that I really connect with, Bell and Sebastian, is a Divine Comedy. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But during COVID, Divine Comedy recorded a concert at the Barbican. It's a UK, I think it's a London venue, and made it available so people could buy a ticket virtually and watch the concert. And you'd have... I think seven days to watch it. I think I watched that concert four times at wow. least in those seven days. And it was a long show. It was like two hours, but it was just so dang good. And he was, uh, Neil Hannah was so affable and, and fun uh, with the lack of crowd. I'm hoping that somehow that gets released to where people can watch it streaming somewhere. This was really cool. 2006, they released The Life Pursuit I think this was my favorite of their albums. This reached number eight on the UK charts, making it their most successful release up to that point. Additionally, it reached 65 on the Billboard 200 here in the States. Funny Little Frog reached the top 20 on the UK singles charts. It's a funny little frog. It was about, it was about uh, Kermit. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, the blues are still blue and white color boy. No, the blues are still blue and white <laughs> color boy. Well, with the way they name things, it could have been all yeah, run that together. It could have been. Exactly. Yes. Or <laughs> 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 white color boy. All right. You started the one. You know what? I'm not. The, I'm just saying it all over again, but keep all this in. The blues are still blue and white color boy were also released as singles and saw some chart success. 2008, Introducing Bell and Sebastian EP was released. I love it when a band comes out with an introducing album halfway through their, their catalog. Sparks did this as well. It's also kind of like name giving their the self-titled album, 15 albums into your career. It is, exactly, yeah. In 2008, the BBC Sessions Live. Of course, this was a collection of songs from 1996 to 2001 and a second disc with a live show from Christmas 2001. 2010, uh, they released Write About Love. The title track was released as a single 
and topped out at uh, number eight on the UK charts. And that one featured actress Carrie Mulligan uh, on vocals. Also, uh, Nora Jones appeared on that album on Little Lou and Ugly Ugly Jack, Prophet John. Up a storm in May. Travel south until your skin turns warmer. Travel south until your skin turns brown. Yeah, I think we talked. We did talk about that a little bit with Kurzai, mm-hmm. and um, I lo- I love the the bringing in of um, of guest vocalists like that because it it definitely caught my ear. Like, oh, hey, that's not their usual female vocalist. Twenty thirteen, the Third Eye Center compilation album. This was a collection of B sides and rarities. I wonder if they covered Third Eye Blind on that. <laughs> Maybe that's really funny. Third Eye. Blind Center. In 2015, uh, they released the album Girls in Peacetime Want to Dance. Uh, The Party Line was released as the first single. It's reached number nine on the UK charts and number 28 on the US charts. It gained generally good reviews, with some stating that this album proved that they're still excellent songwriters. Uh, they released also in 2015, live in 2015. 2016, the Jeepster Singles Collection box set, which apparently is different from the previous Jeepster collection. <laughs> 2017, they released How to Solve Our Human Problems, part, parts one, two, and three EPs. They actually joined those together on Apple Music, and I listened to all of them as, uh, as one. Also in 2017, they released the single We Were Beautiful. Nowhere was I meant to go Far away from those I know There's some desolate below Uh, it was around this time that while on tour, the band forgot Colburn in North in a North Dakota Walmart. Hilarious. The uh, the Polyphonic Spree did that once, but they have a they have a band that's made up of twenty three people, <laughs> so it could be they could be forgiven. But uh, you know, you're a band of like five six people. How do you leave one person behind? It instituted the buddy system going yep. forward. <laughs> 2018, How to Solve Our, Our Human Problems compilation album. That's the, the one I mentioned. 2019, Days of the Bagnold Summer. This serves as another soundtrack to a movie by the same name uh, by Simon Bird. Safety Valve was written before the band was even formed. Lately I just need a pal. Thanks for being my safety valve. Oh, wow. So really, really attractive yeah. there. Sister Buddha and This Letter were released as singles. 2020 saw the release of What to Look for in Summer, another live recording. 2022, A Bit of Previous, which I was trying to figure out that album title, and I'm guessing you're supposed to read it as A Bit of Previous Bell and Sebastian, maybe. I don't know. Unnecessary drama if they're shooting at you and young and stupid were released as singles. I was crying, feeling weak. Do we have to feel this way? It wasn't like this yesterday. Everything is fine when you're young. 
because of the pandemic, this was the first album recorded in Glasgow since 1999. And again, this album was met with really pretty positive reviews. Yeah, I like this album a lot. 2023 saw the release of Late Developers. I Don't Know What You See In Me was the lead single. I was yelling in my sleep. I was crying, feeling weak. Do we have to feel this way? Wasn't like this yesterday. Everything is fine. When and for me, it would have been another pick in my playlist had it not been a single. Uh, I really love that track. And what it would have taken me up to seven. One review uh, reviewer called it a fine piece of pop whimsy. Pop whimsy. Which, I like whimsy. I need to use whimsy more in my life. Uh, this just in, the next album by uh, Bell and Sebastian is going to be called A Fine Piece of Pop Whimsy. <laughs> really? No, oh, but okay. it certainly fits, it fits their title. Yes, it system. really does. Yes. And a goose. <laughs> That's how believable that yeah. joke was. Yeah. One word, it's a fine piece of whimsy, pop whimsy and a goose. And a goose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, we, we, we covered a band, what was it, just a recently that had a new album coming out. Since I'd written the notes, they'd released an album. Who was that? Well, Tech Nine, Tech Nine came out with one the, like the day. Week. Yeah. Yeah, the week that we recorded. Yeah, the Halloween release. Hammond, tell me some statistics and general notes for Bell and Sebastian. Tiger Milk and If You Were Feeling Feeling Sinister both made the book of albums listed in the 1,000 books, 1,001 albums you must hear before you die book. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I was given that book and yeah. I started flipping through looking at it and there was a lot of stuff I totally agreed with, but there are a few that I'm like, really? That's the album of that band you picked? Right. Yeah. There's so many of those like, oh, wow, you're, you know, you're for Led Zeppelin. You're not going with Led Zeppelin 4. Yeah. Maybe I think they do, but, but it's examples like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if it's you're, surprising. You're picking, yeah. you're picking uh, Jeff, uh, what was it? Swing for NXS instead of Kick. That kind of thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to pick off the wall instead of thriller. Those are the kind of things that book <laughs> Right, does. exactly. Yeah. Dangerous instead of thriller? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if You're Feeling Sinister also made the Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. They're, oh, cool. That, and then that's a list I almost completely agree with. I think that list is actually a yeah. really well-formed uh, list. They they keep updating it and changing it, mm -hmm. but... Um, but to make it in for any iteration is a damn, damn yeah, impressive yeah. feat. But I'm glad that they kind of make that a living list because new yeah. stuff comes out and is good and worth listening to. So I fully agree with that. Their music has appeared in High Fidelity, which is going to, and that's no brainer because it's all about a dude who collects records. Of course, uh, yeah. Juno and the UK TV show, The Teachers. The band also- Wait, wait, no, no, no uh, Wes Anderson? What? Yeah, I know. Uh, Go ahead and tell him what you, you mentioned that on the intro, but let, let's talk about that again <laughs> because you texted, texted that to me. You texted yeah. that to me and I had already been having the anxiousness of it sounding like I was in college. Right. And when right. you mentioned that, it actually helped because it made it less anxiety <laughs> inducing because Wes Anderson films are anything but anxiety inducing. Yeah, it's just funny that- uh, it's funny to think that these guys have never appeared on a Wes Anderson soundtrack. But yeah, I, I texted Hammond and said, hey, I'm an album and a half into Bell and Sebastian, and I feel like I'm living in a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... But uh, it's, it's just crazy that it feels like like a match made in heaven, yet how, how have they never 
how is a Wes Anderson uh, movie never featured a song? There's from, also uh, one movie that I think would it would have fit, but it's not a Wes Anderson movie. It was Big Fish. I think some oh, of their yeah, stuff could have fit, well fit with, with Big Fish. Yeah. Yeah, you just uh, you just have to talk uh, Danny Elfman into taking a step back and letting somebody else's song go in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the band also had a quoted line in 500 Days of Summer. Uh, There's too much love was used in the movie The Way He Looks. 500 Days of Summer is another good fit for them. And 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 reminds people that there's more of that soundtrack than You Make My Dreams Come True by Hall & Oates. Yes, yep. <laughs> uh, but Hall & Oates wrote one of the two songs you have to clap at when it's played live or when it's, you hear it on the radio. The other one being the the Rembrandt's uh, I'll Be There For uh-huh. You. The other one is Private Eyes yeah. by Hall & Oates. You have to do the clap. Private Eyes and watching you. Yep. So totally true. Yep. yep. Inter- international right. law says you must clap. What about the song I Can Make Your Hands Clap? <laughs> it's too new. I can't new. even say the title yeah. without doing it. Yeah, it's too yeah. new. Yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. All right, let's say you, uh, like Kurzog, get to see the band in concert. What is the song that you are guaranteed to hear the band play? Hammond, what are our choices? Uh, and this is a total shot in the dark. This is after going through the, the Spotify list of albums and seeing mm-hmm. which ones the names kept popping up, because really that's sure. all I had to go on. Uh, yeah, so I picked The Boy with the Arab Strap, Judy and the Dream of Horses, Suki in the Graveyard, and I'm and I picked, actually, I'm a Cuckoo as the the one. I'm a cuckoo is number two, and it's and it's by more than a hundred, separating number one and number two. Four hundred eighty-four play count. The boy with the Arab strap. Oh, really? So yeah. So hundred times in concert they did they did Arab strap without doing I'm a cuckoo and uh which surprises me because I would have thought I would have thought that as well but you're right about the other ones rounding out the top 10 uh Judy and the Dream of Horses Piazza New York Catcher another favorite of mine Suki in the Graveyard Sleep the Clock Around Another Sunny Day Get Me Away From Here I'm Dying I Didn't See It Coming those names kind of go together and Dog on Wheels do they do any covers in concert? I am scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. There we go. Poupée de Série, Poupée de Sol. A France Gall cover. Of course they do something like that. <laughs> oh, here you go. This won't surprise you one bit. The boys are back in town. Thin Lizzy. They do a cover of that. See, I am so glad I picked up on that Thin Lizzy tip before you yep, said that because for that sure. song is Thin Lizzy as hell. It really is. Yeah. Uh, they also have covered uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, Time of the Season by the Zombies. That makes sense. Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone, Alone Again or by Love. It, these A lot of these are no surprise, right? Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. I think every. I think it's also kind of a, if you're a particular type of band, I feel like that's a song you have to cover. For sure. Man, it's surprising. You get to their, their you know, their songs that they've done two or three times in concert and it is all covers, which means these guys are ripe for a cover album. What's the deal? My gosh, their one and dones go all the way from Don't Fear the Reaper, I'm Always Touched by Your Presence, Dear by Blondie, A New England by Billy Bragg, Ace of Spades by Motorhead, America by Simon and Gar- Gar- Garfunkel, Baby Love by The Supremes, Billy Jean by Michael Jackson. I mean, and I'm just in the bees. So here's what you needed to do is you need to write an email to them with the album title, Your Cover is Blown, and then yeah. put 
12, 15 songs on a list that you'd want them to cover and see what they do. Right? Or just say, it's time for you to record some of these that you've done in concert, and it's time for you to record them as, uh, as studio tracks and release it as an album. I'm sure I will get right on that. <laughs> get right because I've got all that time. All right, let's talk about uh, covers and uh, and talk about what we would love to hear the band cover. I actually I went through three different tracks in my um, who would I like to hear them cover. I had uh, Happy Hour by the House Martins. I think they would do a great job with that. I had uh, Pineapple Head by Crowded House. I think that would be a great fit. But I settled on uh, the Divine Comedy, the pop singer's fear of the pollen count, which is there's which point that title <laughs> might as well be a Bell and Sebastian title. This is uh, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, like the Divine Comedy and Bell and Sebastian have this nice little Venn diagram, and I think this song, Pop Singer's Fear of the Pollen Count, would fit perfectly in that little sliver in the middle. But it would allow for them to to experiment with some some cool arrangement techniques that would be very very Bell and Sebastian. They they actually do have a little bit of an overlap. The uh, the producer that the Divine Comedy producer produced one of their songs. Year of the Wolf or something? No, what was it? It was, uh, oh, I'll never find it again. It was, there was some track that the Divine Comedy's producer worked with them to produce. And it has a little bit of a, a Divine Comedy sound to it. How about you, Hammond? What are you, you going to go with? I didn't put a lot of, I, I put thought into it, but I didn't push the idea of them going too far out of their comfort zone. And I picked that, I may sure. hate you sometimes from the, from failure by the posies. And mm. It's not that I think there would maybe I, what I want to do is have them take do their take on it, use the different vocalists, add a horn. I think they could really do some interesting things with this kind of stripped down kind of indie rock grunt pre grunge kind of sound that the Posies had. That'd be cool because the 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 Posies did have like a little bit of a '60s influence, mm-hmm. and I think um, I think it would it would. Yeah, there'd be a great uh, a great adaptation in there with that one. And when you think about the Seattle scene, there is that proto grunge where the posies fit because they weren't they weren't noticed mm-hmm. when Nirvana and right. Soundgarden and all the rest of them hit, but they already were kind of on their downslope when those things got big because yeah. they'd been doing yeah. it for a while when that hit. Right. So exactly, yeah, they were grunge before grunge was grunge. I got to tell you, you know, doing these shows um, six months ago. Three months ago, even doing these shows, I'd find that um, I'd be listening to one of our albums and I listen to it while I'm working or I listen to it while I'm in the car. And my mind would just start to kind of drift off while I'm listening to certain albums. And then I'd realize, oh, uh, that was an entire Bell and Sebastian album. Bad example, because it didn't happen with Bell and Sebastian, but an entire album by your band name here. And I completely missed it because my mind was drifting off somewhere else. And uh, if you, does that happen to you when you're listening to stuff? Level 42, maybe? <laughs> I, I was going to, I'll fully own that it did with Kiss at least twice. Oh, geez. With Kiss, it was, yeah, so easy to, so easy to have happen. You know, it's been helping me is Magic Mind. It, it, uh, it's been keeping me focused. It's been keeping me on point. I'm able to still do all the things I do and, and multitask, get a couple things done at once, like listening to Kiss albums while I work on an ad for healthcare. But it doesn't, it doesn't make it so that I'm unable to do one while I'm doing the other. It actually lets me, um, lets me keep my focus and not feel like multitasking is a way of accomplishing twice as much or accomplishing half as much <laughs> twice the <laughs> amount of time. 
<laughs> See, the thing that I've noticed though is I wish that we had known about this at the beginning of this, at the beginning of the show, let alone the beginning of the season, because yeah. the last these yeah. last few episodes that I've been working on. I feel like it's come a lot easier to me. I've been able to pay more attention. It's been, it's been less stressful. I've had, you know, I have lots of shows I have to put together and sometimes I dreaded shows that I was on because I already had the conversation. So why would I listen to myself again? Oh, that makes it. Yeah. Right. But with, with you, with Magic Mind, you're able to kind of knock it out really quickly where you don't get that fatigue of re-listening to the same conversation you just had. It's been, it's been a godsend and I cannot, I cannot, Thank you enough for recommending it, and I can't oh. thank them enough for making it. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been um, helping me reduce my cal- my caffeine intake. I find that I'm drinking less coffee, but still feeling as energized as I did right after I had a coffee. But I get that energy kind of throughout the day. Um, not really an energy shot, more like a. Uh, I don't want to say energy. I want to say focus. I guess is more what it is. Right? You get that focus right after you chug down your first coffee of the morning and then that peters out and you have to take drink more coffee and then that peters out. I do, I take, I drink the Magic Mind shot with my first coffee and then my first coffee basically turns into my only coffee. From there on, it's like I'm drinking water and I don't feel sluggish like that late morning, early afternoon slog. Um, I feel, still feel like I'm able to keep my mind on on my work and keep my mind on what I'm doing Especially if what I'm doing is listening to rap songs over and over. Again, I was going to say, you, you, like. you have to keep your money on your mind and your mind on your money. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Uh, you got 99 problems and focus ain't one. Um, <laughs> it's a whole different thing. I know. I know. It's a totally different thing. But it's, it, has been, um, it has been such a tremendous asset to not just my podcasting, world and making sure that my thoughts are organized when I'm responding to something that you say, responding to a question that you ask, or or we're talking about the, the differences between a couple albums from a band. I can, you know, speak eloquently to that and, and get my point across without stammering like I'm Hugh Grant trying to explain who that is in his car. Uh, <laughs> it's a deep cut, kids. Deep cut. Good but late, good late. Like, not exactly. But I'm not, you know, not just for podcasting, but then when I'm working on my freelance stuff, working on ads for a customer and having to put together copy and artwork and stuff like that that has to go together, I don't find my mind drifting off in the middle of writing a paragraph of copy. I have to tell you, I, I haven't had that problem of like, I will stand up, go upstairs and stand at the top of the stairs and go, what was I doing up here? Why did I come upstairs? I haven't done that in like a month. And it's been kind of amazing. (laughs) It's that, that look our cats give, right? When they walk into a room and you can just tell that you just can see in their faces, what did I walk in there for? I was going to do something. And then they start cleaning themselves to kind of cover up the fact that they forgot what they're going to do. Yeah, no, this has been, this has helped out with that so, so much. The other thing that I've noticed is like you were talking about that, that mid morning, early afternoon slog. For me, things used to hit me about 3 o'clock where I was reaching for something sweet to get a little energy boost to get me through the end of the day. And I haven't had to do that. You know, and and it's sweet enough. These shots have a little bit of sweetness because it's, it's matcha. It's a bunch of different ingredients, but it's kind of all 
um, uh, all surrounded by delivered in a matcha shot. And matcha, don't get me wrong, matcha's got some caffeine in it too, a lot less than coffee, but it's got uh, these things called catechins that extend the benefits of caffeine by um, making it so your body just doesn't absorb it and process it as quickly as like caffeine and in, uh, in coffee. Um, it also has this compound called L-theanine, which reduces stress. It kind of prevents that coffee spike that you get that always means when is the next rush? When is the next cup of coffee? That crash that you get. Mm-hmm. It's basically like if you, you know, those extended release uh, pills you can take. Uh, matcha is your extended release caffeine. <laughs> it just kind of slowly, slowly delivers the smaller amount of caffeine in it that uh, that you'll need throughout your day. Yeah, so I would totally you know, recommend this. If, you, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, dear listener. And mine. And, and Hammond's, not just my voice, but the sound of our voices. We're both enjoying this. We're both using it. And genuinely, this is not marketing copy, folks. Listen, folks, I'm still working on my Biden. Um, this, is, uh, this is not um, uh, marketing speak that we're basically just reading to you off a page. This is us talking about how much we've been gaining from from our magic mind shots in the morning. We want you to try it. We want you to enjoy it. And we want you to get a sweet, sweet discount when you do so. Here's what we want you to do. Go to this following link. The link I'm going to give you is the is the link that gets you an incredible deal, 56% off. Magicmind.com slash Jan Sound, J-A-N-S-O-U-N-D, short for January Soundography, uh, magicmind.com slash Jan Sound. Now, what's that? Well, that's going to give you uh, one month for free when you subscribe for three months. Already a great discount, but wait, there's more. Oh, I've always wanted to say that. Uh, but the but wait, there's more is 20 more percent off. So 20% off if you use the code when you purchase Sound20, S-O-U-N-D, Two zero, So you get 20% off there. You get the 55% off uh, from the uh, subscription deal. That's basically 75% off. And um, that's an incredible deal. That URL, again, magicmind.com slash Sound Coupon code SOUND20. This only lasts through the end of January. So make sure you do it right away. Go try it out. Magicmind.com. <laughs> get to our playlist. This is where we each pick a few songs to add to their greatest hits albums, which they don't really have one. They've got essentials on Spotify and Apple Music. That's a good way to, good place to my, start. My gosh. You don't just read mine too, since your list is so long. I just have six songs. My gosh, Evan. Hey, they, what's wrong with Judy? Cause you've got Judy and I've got I a know, Judy. I know. Well, and, and your Judy is regarded far more pleasantly <laughs> than my, my Judy was. <laughs> My song number one is Judy is a Dick Slap. Uh, This comes from the Push Barman uh, compilation. This is a fun little instrumental that sounds straight out of the 60s. It's got a very Telstar really early single kind of feel to it. But yeah, maybe I don't want to know the story behind why they called it Judy is a Dick Slap. But uh, uh, song number two for me is She's Losing It. 
Hopefully that's not Judy. That's from the Tiger Milk album. This was, um, I actually picked this one first, but I put it in a different order. I was three songs into Bell and Sebastian and really got into it. Usually it takes me a little bit longer to get into a band and say, all right, now I see what their vibe is. And and now I'm pulling songs for their playlist. Now, three songs and I got into this one. I'm not surprised. No, this this fits. These guys are in my wheelhouse as far as like what I, what I yeah, like. Yeah, so, so comfortably yeah, in your pocket. Yeah. And again, you know, talking about the House Martins, this has a very House Martins-y kind of feel to it. I wish we could do the House Martins. We kind of touched on them when we did um, The Beautiful South. But uh, maybe what I'll do is make you uh, put a, you got to listen to this for one of the yeah, House Martins. Yeah, that totally works. There's an idea. Yeah. yeah. I want the world to stop. This is from the album Write About Love. Boy, I just realized I do a lot of comparing them to other other uh, artists. This one for me was like an up-tempo moody blues song, uh, of all things, and um, I really dug it. Meat and Potatoes. This is from The Life Pursuit. To me lately. Honey, please don't take this back, but maybe... When you laid me. I talked a little bit about this with Herzog about the top of the show. A song that talks about a couple wanting to spice things up in the bedroom and then things go horribly awry, which is really funny because of handcuffs and slapping and lactose intolerance. Maybe that was Judy. Maybe it was Judy. Oh, poor Judy. But I also like the fact that this song sounds like a cross between two Beatles songs, Oh Darling and I Want to Hold Your Hand. <laughs> and you have to be... You'd have to re-listen to it to see what I mean by that, but they it, it totally fits. Uh, Suki in the Graveyard, another one from Life Pursuit. See, that's why I thought it might be my favorite album. She was really shining out. She was all alone. She decided that she better check it at home. There was enough around between them and that. She said she hadn't done this. She hadn't done that. If she wanted to remain inside the family home, she'd have to tell the lie. She'd have to give it a go. It didn't suit Suki. She took her thing. This could be one of their most untempo tracks that they've done. I could see this being like an early Paul Simon, Loves Me Like a Rock, Mother and Child Reunion uh, song getting remade, getting covered by these guys. That would be another great one, right? Mother yeah. and Child Reunion would be perfect for them. And then uh, you heard me talking with Kurzog about it. Didn't realize they covered the uh, the Primitives crash. I'm not listening anyhow. I've had enough of you, enough to last a whole lifetime through. So what, what do you want of me? I got no words. Uh, and boy, do they change it up. It turns into almost like a, a blues number, which is great. They've even done a video for it. So big thanks for... Uh, to Kurzog for uh, letting me know about this. It's it's spectacular, and you will hear it at some point on uh, Coverville for sure. So it's a done deal because you sent me messages about it afterwards, as well as <laughs> he him posting the video, Kurzog posting the video. So yeah, you're exactly. you were all in pretty quick on that one. I was all in during while I was listening to the song. I was all in yeah. about that. <laughs> Hammond, tell me about your playlist. All right. My playlist only has five. Sorry, but. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you for, for doing so few. That's, uh... So uh, Judy and the Dream of Horses from Sinister. To a boy in school today. 
Did he where did you go wrong? He used to make me smile when I was down. Judy was a teenage rebel. She did it with the boy when she was young. She gave us This is a really simple song and it grows musically while it tells a really kind of a nice story. And it was the first time that I kind of actually kind of got who Bell and Sebastian was. Then I picked a Space Boy Dream from Arab Strap. I knew it was supposed to be all dark around with just a red surface. But what if I got there and it was light, all civilized and populated and stuff? So I made a plan. This reminded me of Rin, you know, the new guy that's kind of all over the internet. Oh yeah, no, I like. I know that you uh, you love his stuff. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of him and the bass and instrumentation under the talking. It was just really, really cool. And I, I would be, I would bet money that Ren knew who these guys were. Just yeah. a presumption on my part. <laughs> and if you don't know who Ren is, you got to look him up. He does some amazing you things. Check him out. If you if you don't know who Ren is, then you don't know Hammond very well because he's told everybody <laughs> about that with good reason. Because it's a it's an amazing amazing uh, track and an amazing well, not artist. Not just that, not just that one song. He's done so many yeah. other things, and every time I'm just left uh, slack jawed and surprised by what he does. For sure. All right, and then uh, I picked Legal Man from Legal Man. This sounds like it was pulled from a 60s, early 70s era kind of album, but it's from the new, it's from the 2000s. And the fact that they were able to kind of keep that analog kind of sound in a, in a digital era is kind of impressive because it really did feel like a vintage track. And then I picked The Loneliness of a Middle Distance Runner. Take a second of the day to think about the things that we have done this year. The dark lies down the pouring rain from underneath the smokers. Uh, this title caught my eye because, you know, Iron Maiden did that song called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Uh, oh, right. Yep. Now, I'm fairly certain that there is no relation, but I ended up really liking the song anyway. <laughs> it's a cool, it is a cool uh uh, cool. Again, another very Bell and Sebastian title. It's a good thing that they don't work with the the because it would just be title stew. I feel like, you know, you 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 have this impression of the the that their titles are all like this. And there's just a, a couple of them. We talked about how pompous the titles were in that episode. Yeah, but they're not long pompous. <laughs> <laughs> they're short pompous. Pompasito. Pompasito. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and then my last one is "Show Me the Sun" from "How to Solve Out How to Solve Out Human Problems." Once again, the driving drums and the bass uh, mixed with the male and female vocals were really cool. And this may be one of my favorite songs that they did, period. It's uh, it's cool how they're like they don't just sit in one genre like they'll have up tempo rockers and then this slow like 
almost poetry with a little guitar in the background. And I mean, they go all over the place. They really don't, they aren't pigeonholeable. Well, like your Judy song Um, almost feels like a beach tune. It does. Yeah. Any minute the ventures step up and use their reverbed (laughs) masonites. Or, uh, uh, and that Funicello is going to show up with a hula hoop and dance around. <laughs> Maybe she plays Judy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> there we go. There's our uh, our, our playlists and uh, there's our episode. And Hammond, that's our season. Oh that's my gosh, we've completed another season. This is a difficult seasons, season. Because, nine seasons yeah. in the in the box now. Wow. wow. And this was a tough season. Yeah. I mean, we had so many things going on outside of Soundography that unfortunately had a, an effect on us getting these episodes out. And thank you for sticking with us, subscribing, especially if you're a Patreon subscriber and you get these right away when we record them. We really do appreciate uh, your support. I'll say it out loud too, Brian. I really appreciate your patience with me. I was dealing with my father. The time from uh, mid-season on was kind of touch and go with how things were going to be with me. So I really do appreciate uh, your patience with me as well. Of course, my pleasure. And um, and that's, you know, that's what friends are for. Uh, friends who podcast. Isn't oh. that what, that's just, that's the Jump the Shark song from Stevie Wonder. It is Jump, oh my God, for so many artists. Like, I think, <laughs> I think five artists collided in the air on water skis above that shark. Um, and that is going to do it for uh, this episode thank you so much for being here Uh, don't worry we've got between our seasons you know we always do those you got to listen to this is and mine might be house martins but it might not I've got some other ones that I've been thinking about so we'll see what they are but stick around for that I've got a couple that I've been kicking around for a while and I don't know which ones I'm going to throw at you but I'm definitely going to throw a couple at you all right, so listen for that. That'll be coming up. We'll have a few other surprises, maybe some other people bringing bringing some other folks in to make us listen to the albums that uh, that they really love. And that is going to do it. Until uh, next time, Hammond, do you have anything to close us out? Uh, yes, we are releasing for our patrons. We're going to talk about the movie Cassette. Oh, yeah. Cassette. It's a movie cassette. Yep. What's the movie? What? what uh, uh, what's the name of the movie? <laughs> that comes on a cassette. It's, that's it's that's a where fan- I was going with that yeah. joke, and it took a long time to get there. <laughs> It's a, it's actually, I've watched it now twice. I watched it the first time I watched it and I just watched it again for us. And I I think it's a, it's a really good film. They do a really good job of kind of tracking down the OG cassette people. Nice. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at soundarchivypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. X at the soundography. We're also on threads as the soundography as well. Soundography.com is our website. On that site, you will find all of our previous episodes, and each one has show notes that content that can in- include continue that include playlists, our Spotify playlists of our uh, bonus tracks that we really, really like, links to where you can buy the songs. I think uh, Amazon is going to be linking to Dear Catastrophe Waitress because I feel like that is, or maybe if you're feeling sinister, probably that one because that's in the album you must listen to before you die and, yeah, and all that. I think that. I think either one of those is great, but I think Sinister probably should be on the list, be the one. I think so. You'll also find links to where you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundography. And uh, we love getting your support. It gets you the episode sooner, but it also helps us out, keeps the lights on and uh, makes this makes this labor of love actually a profitable 
labor of love for us and nothing wrong with a labor of love and money. If you love the show, uh, leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Tell other people about it. Introduce folks to an episode of a band that they really like or maybe that you want them to learn about. Uh, it's a great way to, to get the word out about Soundography. Hammond, I look forward to the uh, start of season 10 and all the fun stuff that we're going to be doing between now and then. And uh, until then, this is Brian Abbott saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. Soundography.